0: Welcome back to the Betfors Golf DFS show here at none other than BetBurtsGolf.com. As always, I am your host, John Daigle. Joined join today, first up, of our trio. You know him as the model maniac and the host of the Back Nine Bets podcast. It is none other than Byron Lindicue. Byron, fresh off the Masters, how are you feeling?
1: Feeling good. I don't have a Masters hangover at all. I'm ready to get back into business yet. It was a good week for me on the Rainmaker front, so loving that side of things. RBC. Fully loaded field minus Rory and, and Willie Z. So I'm very excited for the week. It's going to be a great, great event.
0: I do wish we would have gotten more than three and a half rounds of majors golf, but it was also very exciting to see John Rom treat that back nine on Sunday as if it was 75 and sunny out. Just dominate it, being Rombo himself. Of course... Our third of this trio, you know, him as PGA splits, splits himself. None other than the great Ron Kloss. Ron, how did you do masters week?
2: Yeah, I came out about even, um, losing Zalatoris. Like, like he pulled when he pulled out, like I had 25%. Um, Rory, I, as everyone knows, he was one of my big picks. I fell into the trap again. Um, and so those two and Corey Connors, I was also overweight on, but, um, you know, I had a lot of Kepka and so those guys kind of kept me afloat. But yeah, this week definitely has a different feel to it. We've never really had an event with this strong of a field, which is even stronger than the Masters after a major. So, you know, usually we kind of relax with those town beach vibes, but uh, not this week. So back to the grind for everyone.
0: Let's begin with that, because... I, as I usually do, popped into the lobby to set some dummies for DFS on Monday, and I'm used to popping into the lobby post-majors and seeing Stuart Sink as the highest roster golfer. Uh, When I popped in this week and saw 11K, Scotty Scheffler, and others, including Rom, including Sam Burns, including just everyone else who competed at the Masters right there at the top, I was shocked. I thought I jumped into a early majors tournament, but that's not the case at all. The boys are back. Jordan Spieth, who had that massive run on Sunday, included. So I'm very excited to talk about it. And I want to start, Ron, with your preview, which, again, is free for everyone at the site, Course Preview, where I start my research every Monday, Tuesday morning on bestriskoff.com. And I think three interesting notes I took away this week for building lineups was, one, that historically, the rough here for the RBC Heritage has been minimally three and a quarter or three quarter inches. That's it has not been a, in fact, impact whatsoever, but this year they increased it to two and a half inches. So it's going to be detrimental in my opinion this year a- around the fairway. Also, as you mentioned, greens here are the second smallest on tour, only 3,700 square feet. So small places to land, even though that does lead to a lot of one putting. And then finally, and I want to get your thoughts after this, Town, as you noted, has the fewest rate of drives, over 300 yards, at only 19%. So basically, lots of clubbing down, and more importantly, we should be weighing accuracy off the tee more than those who could dominate the course with length. So what are your thoughts around those notions whenever you look at building lineups this week?
2: Yeah, it's a unique week strategy-wise, because... Off the tee here means almost less than it does on any other course. Um, Distance means literally nothing um, thanks to players pretty much having to take less than driver off the tee on a majority of the driving holes. And yeah, like you said, 19% of drives over 300 yards. Um, And so, you know, I think there's only five or six holes where players are going to consistently take a driver. And so, you know, Typically, who are the best players off the tee? You know, usually it's the elite tier. It's the guys who can bomb it. It's, you know, guys like Rory, who obviously is not here this week, but, you know, John Rom, Scotty Scheffler. Um, and so the fact that players will pretty much all be hitting to the same spots on the fairway with irons the majority of the time. And the fact, if you kind of look at it, it's one of the easiest courses around the greens as well. Now, yes, like you mentioned, the greens are tiny here. Second smallest on tour. But around the greens, these complexes, even with the rough growing out a little bit more, um, you know, it is rye grass, so it's not Bermuda, which is a lot more tricky. So still, I think even with the rough out, I don't think around the green is going to be that much more difficult. I mean, it's pretty easy here. So when you look at those two things, this week kind of turns into an approach plus a putting week. And perhaps the strongest emphasis all year um, is going to be on approach play this week. You know, and when you look at some of the guys in this field, we'll get to, who are just elite with their irons. Um, I think those are the guys that kind of have the best chance to separate themselves from the field this week.
0: Byron, your thoughts on what people should be looking at when building lineups this week.
1: Cool. Because, you know, this is, I love having Ron on the show to disagree with him a little bit, but I think a nice way to go about getting a little different as well is if a guy's a really good iron player and has distance, I guess Ron mentioned that a good iron player is what you're looking for. Yeah. But, if you've got significant distance, I think it's so difficult to figure out who does well on these short courses that you have to hit these layups on all the time. But a guy with distance and a good approach play is going to be able to hit that three iron 250 yards to where he wants it to be versus someone that's going to hit a, a three wood or a driver that doesn't have that distance. So if you wanting to get a little different about narratives, you know, distance guys might make it out of people's models because they're going to throw in accuracy. That's because of a driver. You know, we figured out that with decade golf and stuff, just pound the driver down there and deal with what comes after that. This golf course is completely different to that. So I think these golfers are going to have driver out their hands and it will just be one way to make yourself a little different this week.
0: Well, with that, since Donald, as he mentioned in the chat, took a late lunch just to hear us talk about which players to play Let's go ahead and dive in and start at the top here because, again, a top-heavy field, and let's group them together. And John Rahm, fresh off the Masters, eleven one one at the top on DraftKings. Scotty Scheffler right underneath them, just $100 cheaper at 11K. Then we have Jordan Smith, Spieth off that Easter tear at 10-4. Patrick Cantley, 10-3 who was just bitched about in his final round, walking too slow. And then Colin Morikawa at 10K, who also went on a run before the rain and weather (laughs) caught up to him. So Byron, let's start with you. Your thoughts the top. And initially, I would say, I'm guessing for recency bias, I want to avoid ROM in DFS. And I don't know what y'all have projected for ownership, but I can see that Scotty Scheffler averaged over 25 strokes gained from t to green last week at the masters it's just that was the first time he lost over a stroke in putting since august 14th so i would say an outlier thus i want to be on Scheffler this week but your thoughts among that core group of five digit players
1: i'm in love with patrick candy this week this golf course has had has one of the highest correlations of success you know from past um events and Cantley has the best course history he's got four top tens in his last five appearances. Yeah. One of them last year was a playoff loss to Jordan Spieth, multiple T t threes and a, and a T seven. So to me, that just screams, go to the guy. And, and if you look at the ball striking for him over the last little while, he's second in the field in ball striking. If you take approaching off the tee and add them together, he's incredibly good when the ball's in the air. And then when it just gets to putting, it's a bit of a problem, but he's also putted really well on these greens in the past. So, I'm taking a gamble on the on the putting there, but I love his price. I love the course history, and people might not want to be playing him as much because of the the slow stigma. And let them do it. You know, we'll we'll throw him in our lineups.
0: Ron, your thoughts on these five players?
2: Yeah, so this is interesting because again, you have Ramen Schaefer on top, and again, it just seems like one of the two of them is just coming home with the trophy every week, but. You know, not only do those two have little to no history here at Harbortown. um, Scheffler's never even played here. But both, like I said earlier, they're going to be unable to use their massive advantage off the tee to their benefit this week. So when you drop down to and again, I'm in perfect 100% agreement with Byron here. You know, three top sevens in his last four starts here. Like he said, the ball striking is is basically second best in the world, only behind Scotty Scheffler in his last 20 rounds. You combine that with his course knowledge, and you know, if he can just make the short putts, which he has proven that he's a very good putter, he's just going through a rough spell right now. Again, like Byron said, he's gained uh, 0.4 strokes here in his career on these greens at Town. So, I usually am not, not confident about an outright selection, but for me this week, you know, I'm very, I'll never say very confident in golf, as volatile as it can be, but I'm pretty confident he's going to be wearing the tartan play jacket on Sunday. So he's, he's my top guy. I'll be very overweight. And yes, um, you would think maybe some people would be off him, but I've got him at 20% right now. So, you know, whether that means I'm going to be 40%, 50% with him, um, I'm going to be very heavy. And then just dropping one below. I think we have to talk about more a little bit because, you know, when we're talking about gaining strokes on approach into tiny greens, and that's again, going to be one of the main areas that guys are going to be able to separate themselves from the field. So, Again, why wouldn't I be overweight on one of the best iron players in the world here? It's, had, a, had a, also had a pretty interesting quote a couple of years ago when he played here, and he said, it's a course that I think really suits my game. A lot of tee to green, a lot of approach shots that are in my wheelhouse. And so when you look at the improvements he's made with the short game, over the last three months, he's gained uh, 0.25 strokes when you combine around the green play and putting. You combine that with how easy these green complexes are all around, I think his game fits this course perhaps better than anyone.
0: Murakawa also has not lost any strokes on approach dating back to July of last year in any tournament. So clearly the irons are a strength here. My model also suggests Murakawa as a very high option at 10K. Let's move on, though, to the 9Ks, though. And this is where in- building gets interesting because we are seeing some players coming off terrific performances for recency bias purposes for ownership from the Masters. Victor Hovland, of course, uh, first-round leader tie last week at 9-8. Cam Young, 9-6. Tony Finau, 9-4. Shafle, who we played last week, if only for his approach and low ownership, at, at 9-3. Homa got buried by the weather eventually, but 9-1. So, Byron, let's start in the 9K. Sift through some players here for us.
1: Yeah. And I won't say, you know, Max shot a 78 in round four in ideal conditions, essentially. You know, it was playing tough, but that golf course just does not suit his eye, apparently. So I was bad on going to him. I'll be back on him this week, though. I th- <laughs> Sorry, Ron. <laughs> um, but I love I love what he can do on, on all golf courses outside of Augusta. You know, if you take out what he did there, he's just been playing fantastic golf. He's he's just been stringing fantastic rounds together. I love what he can get up to, especially with the fact that his driver has been the problem lately. I think he's going to be totally fine hitting three woods and three irons off these tee boxes, getting his irons in play and the rest of his game will take care of itself there. And then somebody I am all in, and I will be very heavy on him this week is Cameron Young. I I think there's just so much to love the form coming into this week, the course history here. He's had one appearance T3 last year, got Paul Tesori on the bag that Webb Simpson's old caddy. He knows this golf course in and out, but he doesn't even have to give him the basics. He can teach him the nuances of this golf course compared to like Augusta last week where he had to give him a crash course. I think this week he's, the training wheels are off. They're going to be strapping rockets to the back of this puppy. And I think it's going to be a fun week to watch Cameron Young dismantle this golf course.
0: I'll put my foot down, Ron, on Tony Finau before I kick it to you, because for getting steamed for the Masters last week, I do wonder if he somewhat gets overlooked in this field Only one week later when really he's been playing amazing his last 36 rounds. He's 15th among this field in proximity when around the green, which again, I'm factoring into my model quite heavily since they're such small greens and we're expecting a lot of scrambling from short grass around them. Also, Scheffler and Finau the last three months, and this concludes a group of Rom Morikawa. Scheffler and Finau the last three months, the only two golfers in this field, to average over 1.25 strokes gained on approach. So I think Finau, although he has the long ball in his bag, I think it somewhat fits what he's doing well recently. Uh, Your thoughts on the 9Ks, though?
2: Yeah, so let's talk about Finau here. So for me... And again, I know some people might disagree, but the numbers prove otherwise. He's kind of turning yeah. into the alt. He's kind of turning turning into the ultimate cash game player. Like when you look at his last nine events, he's got nine straight top twenty sixes or better. So he's kind of just kind of turning into this ultra consistent guy. Who you know, I had an outright on him last week, and he's just kind of always plays well. But he's never, not 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 getting over the top lately here. So. He's going to be someone, and I've said this every week, I'm going to be playing all these guys. Now, some of these guys I'll be underweight on. So Fina will be an example of this. Um, But I'm trying to get pieces of all these guys up top. And, again, I'm going to take my stands a little bit lower um, in the field here. We'll get to some of these guys in the 7 and 8K range. But for me, um, Victor Hovland is my main guy here in the 9K range. Uh, When you look at, again, this course, uh, his ability to put on a ball-striking stripe show – three straight top tens all in either elevated events or, ma- or majors. So again, we have the masters last week. So three straight top tens. He's the fifth best player in this field on greens, smaller than 5,000 square feet per average. So when you, again, similar to Morikawa, um, just his ability to kind of just get in on those greens. And there, there are some tricky pin placements here. And I just think his advantage um, on those smaller type greens is going to be huge here. And, I'll say this about Cameron Young again: He finished third here last year. He never seen the course, and I remember everybody was shocked because it seems like this course would not fit his style of play. You know, bomber off the tee, but again, he finds a way to adapt. Um, I don't, I don't like his price here. I wish he was a little cheaper. But like Byron said, when you have Tesori on the bag, of course, everybody knows how good Webb Simpson is here. Um, so I think, I think you almost have to play Cam Young as well.
0: And honestly. I think that assessment of Fenal and a top-heavy field is totally fair. If anything, I may need to adjust my analysis because usually we could squeeze these guys low at the RBC, but honestly, if we're playing 9-4, we want win equity. And if he's become what you described is really Finau bold, right? Before he won in Hawaii was the player who had every shot in the bag, but just couldn't win because he doesn't have the killer mentality at the end. Like if he's just become that, honestly, you're right. Nine, four is too expensive for him. So I agree cash gameplay. And honestly, maybe that's what Jason day is becoming too, but we'll, we'll get there eventually. Uh, let's move on though to the eights and Justin Thomas, putter struggled yet again last week, but Justin Thomas, you would think it's a value at 8.9. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that, Byron. Sam Burns off a tear at Augusta at 8.7. Sun J.M. at 8.6. Tom Kim, I know for a fact, is popping in the models this week at 8.5, and I believe still has very good long shot outright odds at most books. And given his recent play and the way he fits this course, it's probably worth betting on. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick popped up. As an eight percent roster player in last week's Millie, he's only eight four. I think he's a terrific option here. Shane Lowry win player, which makes sense for this coastal course at eight three. Tilro Hatton eight two. Tommy Fleetwood eight one. Sebastian Thigala eight k. So a handful of players, Byron. You are thinking about in this range.
1: Yeah. If I'm if I'm going to play Max Homer, there's no way I'm playing Justin Thomas. I just can't validate that in my head to to drop down two hundred dollars more and then get more ownership on a guy that's not nearly as informed like Justin Thomas is going the wrong he's a fade if you want usually ask us we'll be fading Justin Thomas is an absolute fade for me I don't care what his price is um someone I do not mind as a, a lower 8k range golfer is Tommy Fleetwood I think his golf suits this game really nicely this his game suits this course really nicely around the greens Ron said it's pretty easy to chip and stuff around here he's the best baseline around the green play in my model. And he's going to be making birdies and stuff from around the greens versus just guys getting up and down. So he's lethal around the greens. Like you mentioned, Tom Kim, for once off the tee, accuracy is going to actually work in his favor because he's going to be able to hit those three woods drivers when everyone else is hitting three woods three irons and not be punished for it because the distance is going to be to the same end point and then those irons are going to come firing in. So I don't mind Tom Kim here. And then a little bit of a chalky play is going to be Sung J M, Im, but he's, he's basically the poor man's Tony Finau, essentially, as well. I'd say he's just got that consistency, no real upside to win, but he's going to be making cuts for you quite regularly, and um, I love his you know top 20 rate. So love Sung Jay.
0: Ron, you mentioned wanting to perhaps skip past 9K, uh, hammer and flag plant a few guys in the 8 and 7K, so go ahead and get started in this range.
2: Yeah, so we often talk about, you know, kind of one of the strategies in DFS is playing a stars and scrubs approach. I think in this AK range, it's almost like you can play a stars and stars approach. Um, and now I'll talk about Justin Thomas here. So, you know, I, I completely understand what Byron's saying. And, yes, his ownership is creeping higher and higher. I have him right around 16% right now, which is a little shocking to me considering um, his recent play. Um, so, again, I'm not I'm not going to be overweight on him or anything, but I just think – you know a player of that level if you're if you're just trying to you know squeeze another guy in here with win equity which again let's admit it, he still does have win, a lot of win equity here um you know well rested motivated coming off those bad performances at the masters um he does thrive on these less than driver type courses again when we're talking about Harbortown is probably even Jordan Spieth said this a bunch of times yesterday at this press conference. But when you're talking about having a shot shape around the trees, the dog legs, Harbortown is the ultimate shot shaping course. But we all know Justin Thomas, perhaps the best one um, at kind of creatively hitting his irons in different spots. So when you throw in some wind, um, which we do have a win in the forecast a couple days here, best player around the green. Um, so I think, I think this does fit his game well. Um, I think he finished, I can't remember, but I think 8th in 2020. That was the, I think the second um, tournament after the COVID break. And so has experience here. Um, so again, it, it's kind of a decision everybody has to make on JT this week. I will be playing him. Yeah, I completely agree with what Byron said. Um, J brings all the course history here. And another thing I noticed uh, doing some research, last two events, Sungjae has gained a combined 12 strokes ball striking at two of mm. the toughest ball striking courses in the world. Augusta National, TBC Sawgrass. So his his iron play, his off the tee play is on point here. Um, He's actually finished outside of the top 40. Now, if we're talking about Tony Fino, uh, how consistent he is, Sung Jam has only finished three times outside of the top 40 in the last nine months. So another just ultra-consistent guy. Um, I do love Fitzpatrick this week. You know, at 8,400, his ownership is not really that high. I'm seeing about 10 11%. And, you know, of course, he's had the injury concerns with the back. Um, recent results, I think if you look, kind of indicate a return to form. You know, he gained over four strokes on approach at the Masters. And that was, that's was all I needed to see. Once I see his approach game is back, you know, he has three top 14s here. So he has said in the past, this is one of his favorite courses. Um, and I'll, I'll drop down to Terrell Hatton really quick. He's my last guy here at 8,200. 34th at the Masters. He did play well for long stretches. And, and the Masters, uh, Augusta National, kind of has always been a mental block for him. He flat out said he hates the course. Played decent there for the first time. Um, he's gained here on approach in all three of his starts at Harbour Town. He was third here in 2020. Um, kind of the biggest surprise in my model that I create every week. He finished ninth overall. And again, he's a guy who kind of known as one of the best long iron players in the world. And again, so... Off the tee, he's going to be able to hit those three irons, four irons. And so I think uh, Turtle Hatton is a really good good quality play here um, at 8,200.
0: Anyone, Ron, before we move on to the 7Ks that you were seeing early on Wednesday that may be rostered highly in tournaments, especially the smaller like Millie Maker tournaments that you are fading this week? Because I don't think, for um, instance, Justin Thomas will be too high rostered. Like, I think you actually get him relatively lower than what he should be.
2: Yeah, I think JT is going to be higher rostered in the lower dollar amounts. I think the Sharps are going to be okay. maybe off him a little bit more just because of that ownership. Um, so I think you kind of have to play that angle depending on what contest you're entering. Um I think Tom Kim is a guy who, as much as I like him, and as much as he does fit this course, you know, I'm seeing him at about 15% right now. Again, he was solid at the Masters, but kind of in the weeks prior to that, he's kind of had his struggles recently, as as most kind of rookie players do. So, um, you know, in this strong field, now if this was a normal RBC Heritage with you know kind of weaker to average field, I would be all over him, but I just think in this field with all these elite players he would probably be the one guy in my opinion that I'm going to be less um, weighed on.
0: Byron, any thoughts on that range, a player you don't mind fading? Maybe it's Justin Thomas.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: Ron's internet was getting really bad when you're speaking about JT. So I'm assuming even the internet doesn't want Ron to, to suggest that, but we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. You know, I don't, I don't think he's had two top twenties in the last eight starts for Justin Thomas. Right. And it's just, One of them was barely a top 20. So it's just like disappointing goal from him all round. I want to, if I'm going with that ownership, you got to give me something solid, man. And he's just not showing me that.
0: Well, let's sneak down a little bit because I think we're going to see some players steamed here. Because now we're getting interesting between mm. Keegan Bradley at seven nine, Corey Connors a popular play who missed the cut last week at seven eight, Russell Henley a popular play at seven eight. I would imagine again this week, Matt Kuchar at seven seven, who I really think has outright. Uh, winning odds here in this tournament. Justin Rose at 7-7. And then, of course, Ricky Fowler, who was playing amazing heading into the Masters, but had to win the Valero, which he did not, to make Augusta at 7-6. So let's go ahead and... And who Kim at 7-6 as well. So let's go ahead and cut it off there for right now. And, Byron, let's start with you. A couple of players you're higher on here. Um, and I think we're getting into the part of the conversation where we begin asking, at what point... Do you want to stop dipping down because in a top heavy field you don't think these guys have T10 T15 equity. I don't think we're there yet with a couple of players I just mentioned, but yes, I think we're getting into that territory now.
1: Yeah. And you know, just the lineups I've been building, I've noticed that it's very easy to throw a lineup together without even going into the 6k this week. Mm-hmm. And it's I think if you want to be different, you can if you find a guy that maybe like 6100 bucks and take an absolute chance on him. And then you can load up, you know, with some really good guys up top. So just a little lineup strategy. I don't know if that makes even sense, but throwing that out there, you can, you can call me out if I'm, if I'm talking nonsense. But Keegan Bradley, someone who's not going to be particularly that high owned. Um, I like Corey Connors, Matt Kuchar. Those are going to be a little bit more popular plays. Matt Kuchar, man. You know, no, I love me some Matt Kuchar. And you play Matt Kuchar at golf courses. Matt Kuchar plays well at. He plays well at Harbortown. Love what he can get up to. Ricky Fowler is one of the best iron players from 150 to 200. He, you're going to see about 46% of shots come from that proximity this week. And to be one of the best in that range is going to be very critical. I love what he can get up to. And then JT Poston. So he has gained in every category over the last four times he's played at Harbour Town, except for approach. So off the tee, putting, and around the greens, he's gained strokes in every single event except for approach two years. This year, he comes into Town with approach being his best stat of the last 24 rounds. So, if the stars align, JT Poston with a course history of phenomenal caliber, I think he's had also three top 10s in his last four starts. Sign me up for a guy that's ball striking the crap out of it right now, who loves putting and chipping around these greens.
0: Ron, let's kick it to you and go ahead and dip into the low seven Ks also. I do think what's interesting about this range is Corey Connors and Tom Hoagie, two players we wanted for the masters and just happened to miss the cut, which reminds me of why we played and talked about them. Ryan Fox last week, because he was coming off a miscut at Valero despite being in terrific recent form. So I do think we're going to get those two players in particular Connors and Hoagie at lower ownership than what they should be given their recent performance based off one tournament. So you're just your thoughts on flag plants in the seven K.
2: This range is just full of guys who you have different yeah. skill sets who kind of fit this course in different ways. I mean, yeah, I'll go through these really quick. But Corey Connors, I think this is a great bounce back spot. You know, we burned a lot of people last week. When you look at his last three trips here, twenty-first, fourth, twelfth. So again, course peak most boss in the world. Russell Henley, confidence is going to be extremely high. Okay, fourth place at the Masters, elite ball striker. He kind of plays his best at these shorter wedge-fest type courses, similar to kind of the success he's had at courses like Waiwai, Sedgefield. Again, three missed cuts, but he was also ninth here in 2021. So um, going down to perhaps my favorite play here, Simu Kim. Everybody knows he's a P-Dye specialist. He loves these short positional courses. Lost in a playoff here in 2018, but he's one of the best, fifth best in the field, and from 125 to 200 yards. Of course, he won Sony this year um, at the Comforts, where I played really well. Um, Sedgefield, he's won. Sawgrass. So, again, just another guy who really fits this course. Chris Kirk, 7,500. Another guy who's just ultra consistent, solid at the Masters. Um, He's been playing really well recently, of course, winning at the Honda. Um, Going down, like you said, we talk about this every week, Tom Hoagie. Some Some weeks he burns us. Some weeks he finishes third like he did at the Players. Again, still the best iron player in the world at a course that demands that, that kind of play. And so um, even at the Masters, you know, he was positive on approach, even though he missed a cut. Again, his short game continues to give him trouble. But, again, this week, short game, those weaknesses are kind of kind of be mitigated here. Um, continues to shine on shorter courses. You know, like we said, third at the players, um, one pebble beach. And then going down a little bit lower here, I've got two more guys. So Adam Hadwin, another less-than-driver course standout. You know, he's got – Two top 15s in elevated events already this year, including at the Players, another Pete Dye track. And then here's a who um, Most people, um, I don't even think anybody's playing him anymore. Um, can you guess who that is in the low 7K range, who typically is a very good player, but anybody? Thomas Dietrich. 7,300. He's only 3% owned right now. Has been uh, awful Straka
0: Straka has a win here recently as well. I was going to guess Oh no, come
2: on. Okay. Tell him more. Come on, Daigle. He's one of your guys.
0: One of Brian Harman. Guys.
2: Okay, Brian Harman. Give me a
0: reason I to get back on, because I, I got burned hard last week.
2: Okay. Hard. So, here's here's one of the things. I'm, two things I'm grasping onto here, okay? So, first of all, he can't keep going this bad forever. Um, he typically rises <laughs> to the occasion in these bigger events, okay? <laughs> well, well, here's the second one. So, I did a little research on performance the week after a major, okay? And he... Over the last five years, actually eight years, going back to 2015, he has gained the most strokes out of anybody in this field playing the week after a major. He's got five top tens. He's averaging a one-point gain per round in all these events that he's played. So, again, 7,300. Not saying you should play him 15%, 20% or anything, but he's coming in at 2 3%. So I'm going to have him maybe around 8 9%, kind of triple the field. Um, and, again, this – to me, this course, again, course fits him. Shorter course, taking less than driver off the tee. Um, so I'm, I'm going to roll with Harmon here, and I think he could be a great play. Um, could be in the winning lineup. Never know.
0: For the record, there is a video on YouTube out there last week that <laughs> offers proof that I spent 40 real dollars on a Brian Harmon Rainmakers rare card and then immediately got – over eight strokes on him in the first two rounds. So uh, not great, but I'm always willing to listen to some Brian Harmon love here. Now is when we slip in though to the seven K's or six K's Byron. And again, we talked about it T 15 T 20 equity from this range. Can we really get it in a field that includes Morikawa, Spieth, Rom, Scheffler, the list goes on and on. So your thoughts on this range overall. And is there anyone that stands out?
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, I have to just, I never really dipped into the sevens. So Kurt Kuriyama, Sam Ryder, Adam Svensson, some nice guys there, like in the low sevens. Brendan Todd and Nick Taylor are two guys that I do think have top 20 equity. They they suit this golf course really nicely from Todd's little dink and dunk mentality. And Nick Taylor is just super well-rounded golfer. I love what he can get up to. Tyler Duncan, also on a coastal golf course, is someone that intrigues me. Um, scooting down the board all the way down to the bottom, yeah, is if you want to take a shot at Stuart Sink at you know sixty five hundred bucks. He's a pass winner here before. I think he thrives on these kind of a golf courses. I'm not entirely sure why, but he he plays nicely at these venues. Um, and then it's tough. I mean, sixty one hundred bucks. I might take a stab at Ryan Moore, who's just really, really, really consistent on these shorter golf courses too. And if you really want to get frisky at 6,100 bucks, Ernie else. Okay. <laughs> I know he's from the champions. That's Tour. Frisky. That is very frisky. But if you think about it, Ernie's out there contending with the champion boys. And what is the thing with the champions? They, they don't hit it very far, right? I think Ernie's probably played around Harbor town a few times in his life and he's ph- phenomenally good at golf. So at 6,100 bucks, I, I trust him more than Jim Herman, if if I'm putting it that way, right? So it's not necessarily the comparison you want to make, but if you're looking for an absolute salary saver, I'm gonna take a shot at Ernie. You know, also he's a South African guy, which I I name my dog after him too. So lots to like about Ernie, but um, that's that's dire situations.
2: That
0: is relative to my Kyle Stanley makes the cut at Stoneman 6K call two weeks ago. So uh, good luck to you with Ernie L's, Ron. Your thoughts on 6K because. Uh, I genuinely, in a handful, if not a majority, of my lineups, don't think I'll be dipping to this range. I don't think I need to, given my love with so many players we discussed in the seven Ks. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like like Byron, there's. I'm just gonna touch on a couple in the low seven K range really quick here. And again, if if you're gonna play a a kind of a South African homer pick, Christian. Christian Bezaden who should be your play not only else at 7100 so um anyways moving past <laughs> that um Cam Davis is another guy here who again people are frustrated with him he's the ultimate boom bust play he's missed 6 of his last 7 cuts but again he is kind of got this reputation for being really good on these shorter less than driver courses um he finished 6th at the players just 2 starts ago he's finished 3rd here last year t- 25th the year before his ball striking has been fine. It's just been his short game that has just left him for some reason. So again, with around the green kind of play mitigated here, it's not as challenging. You know, I think he's definitely worth a shot at 5% ownership right now. Um, but yeah, going down to this 6k range. And like you said, John, um, I'm not going low here. In fact, my lowest guy, I think might be 6,800. So um, I love Brendan Todd. I do agree with Byron on him um, again with off the tee not really mattering here you know he's kind of irons wedges putting when you combine those three together he's top 15 in this field over his last 50 rounds he finished 20th overall in my model this week and so not not typical you see a 6k guy finish that high um, for me and again i think a lot of people are also forgetting about ben griffin um his approach play has been bad lately um but again sitting here at 6900 you know he's and he can play with the big boys he's played in a bunch of elevated events already, finished uh, six top 25s this year. He's only missed the cut in three of his 17 starts. And so I think Ben Griffin's a sneaky kind of a play. If you're looking to fit one guy who just, hey, let's get through the cut, see what he can do on the weekend. I think he fits perfectly. Um, I think J.J. Spawn is another guy who's just ultra accurate off the tee when you get to these tight fairways. Um, he's gained over eight strokes on approach in his last two events. Uh, he won his match play group. 22nd at the Valero. So I think he's another guy that might fly under the radar here a little bit. And um, finally, I will leave with one of my favorites. And I think it may be tough for him in this type of elevated field, but um, Akshay Batia, 6,800. Again, similar to Cameron Davis, just kind of, you know, very high ceiling, very low floor. Um, But I think um, with his approach play, um, shorter course, uh, coastal, he loves these coastal courses, especially when wind is involved. Um, I think you could do a lot worse than, than Batia at 6,800.
0: Lots of plays we discussed throughout the show, but I think ultimately lineups will end up on at least one five-digit player and then probably a handful of 7K options, given that, again, we've talked about a lot who have outright terrific outright odds, even at that price, and are undervalued. So I want to ask Byron, your two favorite golfers, one being five-digit player, and the other being a 7K player?
1: I'll start off with my 7K guy that I don't even think I mentioned. Taylor Montgomery is somebody that can score to wazoo DFS points. And he's typically a very popular play, but at 7500 bucks, I don't mind him at all. And then I'll go with Cantley as my, my 10K guy. I, I really just... That course history, man, that is some of the the most beautiful stuff to look at. So it's obviously going to end with him missing the cut, but I, I just can't pass that up right now.
0: Ron, I love Hoagie and Connors for sure for ownership. I'll definitely have a lot of them sprinkled in, but and this may even be the chalk. I'm still building and have to this point through Wednesday. A lot of my core around Scheffler and either Henley or Kucher combos. What about you with a high player and a low 7K player?
2: So, again, I completely agree with Byron. Cantlay is my guy. So instead of taking him, which instead of repeating what he said, I'm going to go Matty Fitz at Um, 8,400. I I might have just as much of him as Cantlay. Um, I just think with his low ownership he's coming in with, his health, his approach game, hopefully back to what it was before. Um, but for me in the 7K range, it's going to be Sebu Kim. Uh, I just think he's been so consistent over the past year. You know, he kind of had this reputation before as being a guy who, you know, when is he going to withdraw? You know, he's going to miss the cut by 10 strokes. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, he's become this very, uh, you know, just every week, week in and week out. And so I think he's kind of the perfect course for him to kind of pop and maybe – Finish top ten, who knows? Maybe even um, win the whole thing. So see who Kim is my guy.
0: And finally, Byron, usually gives the people some bets to end with here. So your favorite bet. Doesn't have to be outright, but your favorite bet for the week.
1: So speaking of Tony Finau earlier, mm-hmm. top 20 plus 145 on Fanduel. Sure. So like to me, him and Xander are
2: both perfect examples of a top 20 bet this week. Ron. So I like uh Brendan Todd f- is going right now at plus 190 for a top 40 on DraftKings. So I think that's tremendous value. Um just this again, like we said earlier, it's just kind of coarse. Uh so that's my my best bet.
0: And remember, you can get terrific odds on just parlaying two players that's all you need just parlay two players like a ben griffin t40 and tony finau t20 at fanduel for over plus 200 so i think that's a good lean given y'all's two bets ron what can everyone else find at the site betforscoff.com right now
2: yeah so another reminder we have our um old, kind of our new um, custom stats database um it's based off of officially licensed PJ tour data Um, that we are continuing to work on and improve. Again, you can create your own model. We have at least 25 stats that no other site out there has um, that you can kind of use in building your model. So um, we're going to continue to add to that as we go here. Um, So keep checking that. And then, of course, um, I'll have uh, some first-round leader stuff out on the member Discord tonight. We keep adding to that Discord. Also, at uh, 4.30 Eastern time, we are going – Um, live on the Discord, Um, me and Ryan Noonan and um, Andy. uh, We're going to be going through any questions people have, DFS plays, uh, late bets people start thinking about making, uh, injury concerns, weather. Uh, So we'll be discussing all that on our uh, member Discord at 4.30.
0: Byron, what else can people find from you for RBC content? RBC
1: content at The Model Maniac on Twitter is the hub for all my stuff. It's baller it's back nine bits, it's the whole shebang over there at the Model Maniac. So
0: that's it. And Rainmaker's content from me on the site. Quick video, the top three buy low cards I think you can get right now in the field, looking ahead at future tournaments. And uh, at least the first two, some high priced players will shock you because I think they can be bought for cheaper than what we're expecting in the next couple of weeks. We'll be back next week with more content. Thank you, Donald, for taking an early lunch. We will see you next week. And remember, be a little bit kinder than what's required. See you then.